Six ways to make people like you. Um, <laughs> this is a this may be a tough pill to take for some of us. I know it was for me. Um, <laughs> I in my early days, I remember hearing the quote from Zig Ziglar that said, "If people like you, they'll listen to you, and if they trust you, they'll buy." Um, and I thought, okay, well, there's a game plan. There's a game plan. Step one: get people to like me. Step two: get people to trust me. Um, I found in my early days, I, and I'm in my mid 40s now. Uh, I got started in this business in my early 20s, and I used to be pretty brash and bold. Uh, I used to be pretty good at stringing profanity together with hyphens. Like, I, I was pretty much in your face. Um, I, I had not read a book uh, at that point. I had not read a lot of people skills books and had, hadn't had a lot of mentors in my life sharpening, you know, taking those edges off of me. Uh, I can distinctly remember having an agent one time uh, miss a sales meeting on a Tuesday morning and I was so mad because I've been helping this agent they're supposed to be there and they didn't show and 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 I called them up and ripped them a new one right and uh, I remember calling my mentor Andy and saying Andy you won't believe what I just said to this person I'm kind of laughing while I'm saying it and Andy says uh, <laughs> he's kind of laughing too and uh, he said so man you really told him I said yeah I did he said that's that's awesome you, you think you're gonna come back next week I said no nah, that man that man's gone he ain't never coming back and, and Andy goes, so you think he's going to sell anything next week? And it got quiet. I was like, no, he's probably not going to sell anything either. He's like, well, then, well, hey, good job at telling him off. Uh, at least you can feel good about that, right? Well, I feel awful now. Like, this guy, I liked him. I, don't, I mean, I didn't want him to go away, and I certainly didn't want the production to go away. I'm trying to build a business here. Like, no, I didn't. None of that won. And uh, I learned two important lessons there. One, uh, just because somebody's laughing doesn't mean they think you're funny, <laughs> right? Because Andy was laughing that whole time I was telling the story, and he didn't necessarily think I was funny. It was like, a, oh, my gosh, this kid that I'm mentoring is going to drive me insane. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's, that's what that laugh was. But the other one was, man, it doesn't, it doesn't benefit anybody to go tell somebody off. Like, we're trying to help. And um, anyway, I, I started reading at that point and started discovering uh, a couple of different books. And, and for this uh, topic, I'm combining uh, two different books that have one common topic. The first book is Skill with People by Les Giblin. Now, I know some people watching this video uh, recorded right now or some people are watching it live. Uh, you're, oh, I've heard Fitz tell this, this talk before. I, I've got it. Well, let me just tell you. I, 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 can, I can distinctly remember um, an agent coming to me years ago and, uh, and, and she had, you know, had run like 20 appointments, didn't close anything. She had like 10 interviews and didn't, didn't recruit anybody. And she said, I don't know what's wrong. I said, I do. People don't like you. She's like, well, and I said it a little bit different because I was trying to get, catch her attention. But essentially, people don't like you. And she's like, well, that's kind of hard. I said, well, explain. How can you, can you explain why people didn't buy from you? They don't like you. That's why. You got to figure out how to make people like you. Like that's. And for a bit, it may be a show because admittedly, you're not a very likable person, but you can become one. It's something that you can change. It's not a life sentence that you're doomed to. And so I turned her on to the Skill with People book by Les Giblin. It is a little bitty book. The original edition I have, I think it's like 33 pages and 15 chapters. 
Like this is literally a book you can read every day. The whole book. It's not long. That even the even the pages have have narrow writing and wide margins. It's it's really easy to work through. Great book. I recommend reading it once a month, if not uh, once a day. The other book here is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I remember reading this in college, and my college roommates, my, my senior year, uh, Heather and I were engaged, and uh, it was a Friday night, and and Heather couldn't go out, so I was at home. I was in the apartment. Uh, because, you know, when, when you're engaged, you don't need to go out with your buddies <laughs> on Friday night. You just need to stay home, stay out of trouble. And uh, my buddies who didn't have girlfriends were in the apartment. They, they were kind of mocking me for reading this book. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're just trying to learn how to manipulate people. I said, well, I'm trying to learn how to win friends and influence people. Why are you home on a Friday night? You're in college. Like, why are you? Maybe you should learn how to win friends and influence people. Maybe that's, maybe that's something you're missing. Um, but I, I remember reading this, and, and I, I read this. This is a book I read once a year. Um, if, if not in whole, I definitely read parts of it once a year uh, just to remind me of, look, here's what we're doing here. Um, and, and so combining these two topics, I, I've, there's six ways uh, to make people like you. The six ways actually all come from uh, this book with Dale Carnegie, and uh, there's going to be commentary that's coming from Skill with People. So let's jump into it. Number one. Become genuinely interested in other people. Become genuinely interested in other people. I find sometimes in conversations that I'm having with people that I don't like, uh, I don't feel like they're genuinely interested in me. Uh, they may be genuinely interested in what they can get from me, or they may be genuinely interested in making sure I know about them. But they're definitely not genuinely interested about me. That, th- these are people that I don't like. You think about yourself too. Like you, you know those people in your life that are one-uppers. Um, I, 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 uh, I have friends in my life that are just genuinely ask questions about me and want to know about me. And uh, I've got one, one friend, uh, some good friends of ours, a, a husband and wife, that it may have been four or five years that we knew them before we even knew what they did for a living. That's how intentional they were in asking us questions about us and being genuinely interested about us. And I realized, I don't know anything about them, but I really like them. I really liked them because they were genuinely interested in me, right? So Les Giblin says, people are primarily interested in themselves, not in you. So why do you go on and on and on and on and on about your life? They don't care. I remember John Maxwell saying one time that, uh, you know, um, they say misery loves company. He said, there's no, there's no point in telling other people your problems. 80% of the people legitimately don't care that you have those problems. And the other 20% are actually kind of glad it's happening to you. So <laughs> that's John Maxwell quote. It, it, it's true that people, we're, we're all self-absorbed. I mean, no time has it ever been more evident than our country right now when everybody is seeking to be understood rather than to understand it's because we're self-absorbed we only care about ourselves it's the the very nature of humans so when you can take a step out of being that person and instead be genuinely interested in other people they're going to find you interesting they're going to find you different and they're going to find you appealing as long as you live never forget that any fool can disagree with people and it takes a wise man a shrewd man a big man to agree particularly when the other person is wrong also, Les Giblin, chapter 4. This one is particularly tough for me when I read that quote from Les Giblin when I read his book the first time because in my family, uh, we like being right. I mean, we have a really unhealthy attachment to being right. I mean, my family, my mom and my siblings, it, it's, yeah, I hear some what's in the office. I mean, it, be, I, I love being right. And this is something I'm continually working on and I'm getting better at it. I lo- Who doesn't like being right? Everybody likes being right. But, but, one of the things that kind of annoys me right now on Facebook is when people say, I've been holding off on saying this for so long, but, 
And they say something that just shows their absolute ass. And you're like, you should have just held on to it for just a little bit longer, man. Just another day. Hold on to it another day. Because, listen, anybody can disagree, but can you get along with somebody that you wholeheartedly disagree with? Can you do that? Can you agree with them, particularly when the other person is wrong? Well, I don't, I, Fitz, I think that's, a, that's not being honest. That's not being honest. Just because you're not forcing your opinion down their throat doesn't mean you're not being honest. It means you're being civil. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being civil and being honest at the same time. Because I'm not forcing my opinions down your throat doesn't mean I'm, not, I'm lying to you. It means I'm showing more interest in what you bring to the table than what I bring to the table. I'm more interested in you than I am about me. Maybe my opinions are wrong. <laughs> A lot of people don't consider that. Maybe that person actually is right. <laughs> and you're not giving them a chance to be right because you're so insistent on being right yourself. Number two, smile. <laughs> and now it needs to be a good smile. Like it, it, it really does. It, it can't be. Maybe you need to practice this. Um, for the longest time, I, uh, when I was making dials and, and when I was in the field, I had a mirror sitting right beside me. It was one of my childhood mirrors that I had sitting right beside me the whole time. I'm, and almost self-absorbed, but I'm watching my mirror the whole time because if, if I like what I'm seeing in that mirror, they're probably liking what they're hearing on the phone. It's, it's translating over the phone. Nowadays, we use Zoom so much, and I, 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 I mean, don't we all? Aren't we all looking at ourselves on Zoom, or are we really looking at the other person? Well, if you're really looking at the other person, are you really, or are you looking at the camera? Because the camera is really what they're seeing. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I love using Zoom because it gives me that perpetual mirror where I can watch myself while I'm talking to other people and make sure I like what I'm seeing. Because if, if it's friendly, then they're going to receive it that way. If it's aggressive, they're going to receive it that way. Smile and make it genuine. Don't, don't be creepy with it. Don't, don't, don't make noises when you smile. Like, it's okay to show some teeth. Uh, I had a guy one time was like, man, when I start making some money, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and this and this. I'm like, man, maybe fix your smile because a human's smile is like a dog wagging his tail. When a dog wags his tail, you know they're happy. When a human smiles, you know, or at least you can assume most of the time safely, that they're friendly. Les Giblin says in the first second, that instant when you first establish eye contact before you say anything, before you break silence, give people your sincere smile. You may need to practice this smile in the, in the mirror. I mean, it sounds weird to say, but professional athletes practice all the time in front of mirrors to see how they look when they're doing things. This is, a, this is something professionals do. That comes from his book, uh, Chapter 9 there. But then if you are grateful to people and if you let those people know you are grateful, almost always they'll give you more the next time. My dad used to always say, that's from chapter 12, my dad used to always say, if you intend on going back to the restaurant, be a good tipper. Because when you go back, they're going to remember that you're a good tipper. And those servers are going to be fighting for you to sit at their table. Um, I, I know, I've seen it happen where um, uh, being at a restaurant, you could tell that server was having a bad day. And because I smiled and was friendly with them and nothing was a big deal, suddenly they were, they were doing more for me. Uh, I, I've, I've seen public speakers who were horrible public speakers, but sitting on the front row and smiling when they said something and just showing myself friendly by, by lighting my face up and smiling first with your eyes and then let it radiate across your face. Like doing that 
it made that speaker better. I wasn't the only one. There's a group of us there. I remember distinctly one time, there was a group of us there and the speaker was terrible and suddenly we're smiling and laughing at the jokes that weren't very funny. And before we knew it, he was telling jokes that were funny. And it changed his whole presentation. And suddenly everybody got something from it. It was because the group of us were smiling and laughing and, and showing ourselves friendly. And he got less nervous. <laughs> Number three, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Earlier in our meeting today, I tried to make sure I was getting a, a, an agent's name right. And, and I got a, a message that I got it right. I'm happy about that. My first name is spelled like Alex, but it's an old family name that's pronounced Alec. And because people get it wrong my whole life, I go by Fitz, which is short for Fitzgerald. But then still people say Fritz. And when people say Fritz, I go, that's it. You just don't give one crap about me. How does that make me feel? If I'm constantly getting your name wrong, how does that make you feel? I've known people for more than 20 years that still get my name wrong. How does that make me feel? Awful. Makes me feel awful. It makes me not like them as much. Take these words out of your vocabulary. I, me, my, mine. Substitute with the word you. Talk in terms of them, right? Not you. That's from chapter two. And then Les Giblin says, be proud of yourself, but not conceited of who you are, of what you do, of where you work. Don't apologize for your station in life or for yourself. You are what you are. So handle yourself with pride and respect. What does that have to do with that person's name? Well, I often find that this is an opinion. I don't have any data to support this. But I find that when people are insecure about who they are, they in turn turn around and make other people feel insecure about who they are. And, 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 and sometimes subconsciously saying that other person's name wrong, it's not necessarily an intentional conscious thing that they're doing to be mean, but subconsciously they're not getting it right because they themselves aren't right. I've seen it with my kids. When, when you start getting confident in one area of your life, that confidence starts spilling over into other areas of your life. Where before you know it, you're confident everywhere. And the more confident you are, the easier it is to allow somebody else to be who they are. The, the, the more secure you are in who you are, the less insecure you feel about making somebody else feel warm and fuzzy. And that's from chapter 13 there. Number four, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. <sighs> Stop interrupting their stories with your stories. Be a good listener. <laughs> Listen. Yes, Fitz, well, I like to tell them my story so they can know I can relate. They don't care. They don't care. You know how you can relate? Go, hmm, interesting. How's that? Why do you think that happened? How'd that make you feel? Hmm. Stuff like that goes a, a lot farther than breaking their train of thought with your stupid thought. And I say your stupid thought because they don't care about your thought. They care about their thoughts, and you're interrupting it with your thoughts. You want to be immediately likable? The, 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 the agent I told you at the beginning that 20 appointments, 10 interviews, got nothing from it. I told this agent the next week, that they could say one sentence in every presentation, everything else had to be a question. And they came back that next week with big production, big recruits. It, I mean, it was, it was killer. I got her up and said, what'd you do different? She said, I just asked questions. I quit, I quit making statements. Funny, when you quit making statements, suddenly people don't get a chance to not like you because you're asking questions about them. All they can do is appreciate that you're turning it back to them. Funny how it works. That's psychology. It's interesting stuff. 
A good listener always winds up far ahead of a good talker in the affections of people. That's from chapter 5. Let's go with people. And follow that up with give people reasons to say yes to you. Ask yes questions. Give people a choice between two yeses. Expect people to say yes to you and let them know they are expected to say yes. And this is all from chapter 8 with that, that bullet point. You know, um, when, I'm, uh, when I'm scheduling, like I'm doing an interview and I'm scheduling somebody for contracting, for example, or I'm scheduling them for, uh, to get signed up for their class and their test, I, I always go through like I did when I was in the field. Okay, well, we have Monday or Tuesday available. Which day is better for you? Well, Monday. Okay, great. Monday morning or afternoon better for you? Well, afternoon. Great. I have 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock. What time is better for you? 4 o'clock. You know how many times I've had people come on board with us to say, I know that you're good at what you do based on how you scheduled me for this appointment. You're good at sales because you didn't give me a chance to say no. All you gave me were choices of yes. That's huge. So it, it's funny, like, you know, why do you dress nice? Why do you, why, why drive a, a, a why, why clean your car? Because people notice little details like that. A good salesperson is going to notice little details. You want to attract great salespeople? Be, be masters of asking yes questions because great salespeople are attracted to great sales talent and they feel confident that they can be led by that person because they're, they're, they're leading, they're doing it, right? Number five. Talk in terms of the other person's interests. Talk in terms of the other person's interests. I mean, so far in, in these, these six steps, do you feel like it, uh, here's the, the solution to making people like you is quit making it about you? <laughs> when you can take you out of the equation, they don't get a chance to not like you. And they will like you because you like them. Talk in terms of the other person's interests. Um, I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh, man, the Cowboys suck this year. I just said I'm a Cowboys fan. You don't think I know they suck? They suck every year. But you don't have to remind me about it. Now, now, if I'm friends with somebody, we've been around for a long time, and they want to give me crap about my Tar Heels, or I want to give them crap about being a Duke fan, you know, why would you do that to yourself? Like, that's different. But, but when you're just meeting somebody and getting to know them, like, <laughs> I like origami. Origami's stupid. <laughs> I'm going to go to the beach. You, you went to the wrong, you're going to the wrong beach. You should go to a different beach. I want to wear this, this kind of clothing. Oh, you shouldn't wear that kind of clothing. I'm going to buy this kind of car. That kind of car looks like crap, I and mean, you shouldn't buy that kind of car. Why would you buy a car like that? It doesn't make any sense. But I hear people do this stuff all the time. I'm like, can't you just be interested in their interests rather than criticizing, condemning, complaining about their interests? That was from chapter two of Dale Carnegie's book condemn criticize and complain you want many people like you quit condemning criticizing or complaining right anyway three c's talk in terms of the other person's interest les giblin said when you know what moves people you then know how to move them kid won't eat their vegetables don't let them have dessert suddenly they like their vegetables it's not real complicated <laughs> right well i don't like these vegetables but you like the dessert don't you yes well then eat the vegetables then you can you've earned the right to have the, the dessert at that point Simple motivation, right? That's from his chapter six. Then people won't have the slightest doubt that what you tell them indirectly is true, yet they will be highly skeptical if you say it yourself. So speak through third person. You got to talk in terms of their interests. But when you are firsthand relating information to them, they are going to tend to not trust it. 
So you have to use a third party. I remember Brian Tracy, I listened to a cassette tape of his years ago of having, having your book of, um, uh, of referrals, of recommendations where clients would write you a letter and just have a three ring binder with all those letters in them, right? That's a third party verifier. The way Les Giblin talks about it in, uh, in chapter seven of his book is he says, you know, for example, if you're selling lawnmowers and the guy says, well, how long is this lawnmower going to last? You can say, well, I, I personally don't know how long it's going to last. My neighbor has one just like this, and he's had it for 10 years. I hadn't had a lick of problem with it. See how if I had come back and said it's going to last 10 years, well, they're going to treat me like a salesperson and not trust me. But when I step away and say, well, you know, I don't really know, but my neighbors, they have one, and it's been working great for 10 years. No problems. Now it's them, not me, that they're trusting, right? And that's how to make people like you. Number six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. (laughs) Uh, There's so many um, people I feel like that I've witnessed over the years that are so superficial and so surfacey and just, just, you know the people, right? When you're around them, you just go, ah, I feel so greasy when I'm around that person. Then there's another person you go, man, when I'm with that person, I feel so good. Well, who are you going to do business with? The one that makes you feel gross or the one that makes you feel good? The one that makes you feel good all day, every day. So make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Don't, don't flatter. They say the, the, the old saying is flattery gets you everywhere. Flattery with me gets you nowhere because I know who I am and I know when you're full of crap. Oh, Fitz, you're so wonderful. Oh, no, 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 no. You're praising me on something I know I suck at. So that's, that's no good. And, and then there's, there's like a, a point when your praise can go too far. Like you, you just, you're too much. And it, it reminds me of Shakespeare with me thinks thou doth protest too much. Right? When you, when you make too much of a point of it, now it can't be true because you really overstated it so much. So Les Giblin says the more important you make people feel, the more they will respond to you. Um, I, I've seen this, uh, I, I don't want to always go back to the restaurant, but it's a, a really great um, laboratory for uh, watching people interact. But w- have you ever had a, a server or even, even a, a busboy or somebody cleaning the tables and you make eye contact with them and you say, how are you doing today? Like that makes them feel so good. Because especially like a, like a busboy position, for example, this person knows that in the restaurant, they're on the, the low end of the totem pole. They're at the bottom of the, of the hierarchy pecking order, and somebody just made them feel good. I, I've seen it at restaurants that, that I used to frequent that I remember a, a guy starting as busboy before I knew it. After the years, he was manager of the restaurant, and he remembered how I made him feel when he was a busboy. Made him feel important. So that now that he's a manager, I didn't make him feel any more important than he was. I was just, you know, it was what it was. And, and you could see it, but it's like you can just see how they react to you. That you, when, when, you when you treat people with that respect and, and concern and care and treat them like a human, it goes a long way because so many people in this world aren't treated like humans. They're treated less than. And, and I don't know why people do that to them, but you get a lot farther with them if you just treat them like a human. That was his chapter three in there, he, the quote came from. Be generous with your praise. Look for somebody and something to praise and then do it. I talked about this earlier. The praise must be sincere. And you want to praise the act, not the person. Uh, I remember reading a, a book about raising kids. And they said, you know, when you're praising your children, you want to praise what they did, 
that the other kids can also do. You don't want to praise the person because the other kids can't be that person. You want to praise the act. So, oh, you're so wonderful. It doesn't go as far as I love how you always ask a guest if they want something to drink. We've got one of our kids that just does that all the time. He just does it all the time. He just, he just naturally does that. And it's become the reputation. But I think we, we, we have a danger of praising him so much that the other kids can't do the act that is really what's deserving of the praise. Right? And so uh, we have to be careful with that, that you're not praising the person, but you're praising what they did because that's something they can do again. That's something that other people can step up and do. But when you're praising the person, you're like, well, I can't be that person. They're there. They, they are who they are. I can't be them. I'm me. That's from Skill with People, chapter 10. So to review, number one, become genuinely interested in other people. Number two, smile. Number three, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Number four, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interest. And number six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. If you want to be a better human, get people to like you. You want to be better at sales, get people to like you. You want to build a bigger team, get people to like you. That is vital to your success in business and in life. Hope that helps. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.